for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet. We are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Dima Ray. How's it going today, Dima? Hi, it's going great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's uh, starting to become springtime here in Texas. So the uh, winter is going away. The weather's starting to warm up, and I'm happy as a clam right now. So, um, <laughs> But I'm excited to sit down and chat with you. I know we were supposed to do this. Last week, two weeks ago, something at that point, and uh, we rescheduled today because I didn't realize the extreme time difference that we had going on, um, <laughs> but I, I'm excited to sit down and chat with you and get to know more about you and um, all that fun stuff. So for everyone that's just getting to meet you for the first time and getting introduced to you, kind of take this opportunity to introduce yourself and uh, uh, tell everybody your background in music. Definitely, sure. Um, well, first of all, I'm just really happy, excited, and honored to be here. Um, it's been a while since I sat down and talked about my music and um, my life, really. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm Dima Ray. I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia. Um, and I've always had a love and a passion for music for as long as I can remember. I've always been singing and writing. Um, but I've never really taken it seriously, um, or because, you know, there weren't many opportunities to study music here. Um, you can have piano or guitar lessons, but there weren't a lot of vocal teachers mm -hmm. or vocal lessons available. Um, so I didn't really take myself seriously until I was about 16 years old. That's when I started really practicing and really writing consistently every single day. Um, yeah, until I got to, to where I am, which I think right now is kind of the start of my career. And I'm really excited and really grateful. Nice. So uh, who did you ultimately end up turning to for like vocal lessons and stuff? Were you just searching online or did you end up finding somebody in Saudi Arabia? No, I was actually um, during the pandemic, which was a crazy time for everyone. Yeah. But for me, it was it felt like a, a huge change it kind of changed my life because everything became online mm -hmm. so that was kind of a really good thing for me because I was approached by a vocal coach through my Instagram account um she saw one of my videos and she asked me you know if I'm working with anyone and, and she would like us to work together um and we met online and I loved her we had great synergy and you know I, I still take lessons with her every week till now and she's amazing. Uh, that's my father's studio, Nikki. Uh, she's just so, she, she was so nice to me and patient when I felt like I was such an amateur <laughs> because, you know, you always have this insecurity inside of you that even though you've been singing your whole life, if you haven't done it properly or, you know, uh, classically or professionally, yeah. um, you always fear that you're not doing it right. So, you know, she was, she was incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, yeah. And I think what really 
um, what was really great about it was that she said that she normally doesn't give online lessons, but because the pandemic happened, she had to resort to that. And that just opened a lot of doors for me and I'm sure a lot of other people as well. Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, the pandemic, although a very bad time for a lot of people, for uh, for creatives that just had the drive to continue doing what they love to do the pandemic opened up a lot of doors, like, especially in our situation with the podcast, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have met 90% of the people we work with now, just because I was very driven in the fact of, nope, got to meet you face to face. We got to work face to face and all that stuff. And because we're still very low budget on a lot of our stuff, we were stuck in certain areas, but now because of the pandemic and everything being online, yeah, everything's kind of changed for us. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> so um, so you started taking singing lessons to uh, not to become professional, but just to uh, hone that craft because you didn't have the um, didn't have singing or you weren't professionally trained. Uh, what are some of the things that you kind of took away from the singing lessons that you've been taking? Oh, how to take care of your voice. Like that was the number one thing I realized that, wow. Yeah. I was just not taking care of it at all, mm-hmm. at all. Um, and you know, I start seeing, you know, uh, singing instead of just something that I do for fun, um, because I, I, I do want this as a career. So, you know, using the analogy of an athlete, you know, you always train and you rest as much as possible before, you know, running or before, uh, a marathon or whatever, and I, I, I'm starting to see my voice like that. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just wake up in the morning and sing your heart out without a vocal, a vocal warm up before that. Um, yeah. And cause it's, it's really, it does harm your voice. It's, it's pretty dangerous. Um, so I think that's the biggest takeaway is just how to take care of your voice, how important it is to stay hydrated and to sleep, which is something that I don't <laughs> do well. I don't sleep a lot, which is a problem. Yeah. But, yeah. If I'm I'm in that same boat. It's sleep is <laughs> sleep eludes me on a lot of occasions. But uh no, that was the other that was something that I learned very quickly was hydration is key. So oh, it, yeah. it it's especially yeah. I think for you as a you know, if if you do uh, podcasts a lot, you have to rest your voice, you have to keep yourself hydrated. Um, you know, yeah. or else it's easy to just lose it or get sick. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, it was I've told this story before, but like when I first started doing the, during the first part of the pandemic and I started doing the podcast online, I was like, Oh, I could just podcast as much as I want and I'm good. So I started, there was a stretch over three weeks that I did 21 podcasts. So it was like three a day for three weeks and, or no, 21 podcasts a week. So there's 63 podcasts. So it was 21 podcasts a week. And I've talked to my buddy who's kind of my partner in all this. And he's like, dude, did you start smoking during the pandemic or something? I was like, no, why? He's like, you sound like a chain smoker right now. So whatever you're doing, stop. So. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Got it and I was like, okay. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was interesting, but um, no, that, that's really cool that, um, and you're still taking uh, voice lessons to the this day? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's one thing too. As a singer, as an artist, you constantly want to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. So there's never a point where I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm good. 
I rather not. No, I mean, the best um, singers and vocalists of our time, they still take vocal mm-hmm. lessons. You know, that's just, again, to keep your voice healthy and to keep yourself, to, to just grow, really. Yeah, for um, sure. And uh, where's she? Where's your uh, voice coach based out of? Oh, she's in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. That's cool. Um, so kind of focusing in on your music and all that stuff, what was, um, was there a specific moment that you knew that the music career, music was for you? Was there a specific song or just like, a show that you went to or um honestly I really wish a lot of people have asked me that and I really wish I had a definitive answer but for me it always felt like something that was inevitable mm-hmm. I mean the, the earliest memory that I have was when I was and I've said the story so many times so I'm sorry if anyone has already heard it but um the earliest memory was when I was four years old and I watched The Little Mermaid for the first time and just hearing her sing just touched something within me and it made me feel something that I didn't feel before and again Mm -hmm. you're a four-year-old but it was just this moment of you know I looked at it and it felt like magic and I didn't want to lose that feeling so I just kept watching that movie over and over again every single day and I would start to sing with her and I think that's when I started to um Uh, I think relate music with magic. It just felt like something very otherworldly for me. Um, The feeling that I would get when I would hear it or sing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after that, I was constantly watching um, musical theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a huge theater fan, you know, until this day. Um, And I grew up, you know, listening to uh, Mariah Carey and Brandy and, and, you know, Celine Dion, all the divas. and it was just this moment of knowing that I've always wanted to sing, but I think when I got older and was able to understand the lyrics too, mm-hmm. and you know how important they are in evoking certain emotions, um, you know, within the listeners, that's when I realized that wow, this this feeling that I have right now, I want to make other people feel that way with my own work, with something that I write. Mm-hmm. And that's what inspired me to start songwriting and really see that this could be a possibility for me. And even though, you know, because um, I think everyone who says they want to be a singer, all their friends and family would just look at them and just say, you know, it's not really practical. So I had to go through that, of course. Um, and so there were moments of doubt. There were moments of well, okay, maybe I won't be a singer, but I want to, you know, be in the music industry. Maybe I'll work as an agent or whatever, mm-hmm. just because I really wanted to stay in the music business because yeah. it's something that I understand and relate to unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, I think it was, and uh, when I was 16, I went to a summer camp and um, that was when I was able to go to a songwriting workshop and then eventually perform a song that I wrote. And to see how people perceived it and reacted to it, that really did change my um, my own perception and my own self-concept. And I realized that, wow, people resonate with this. That means that I can do this. And that's when I started to, you know, just believe in myself and in my craft and do whatever it is that I can to get to that place where I could share my music um, mm no matter what anybody else said. Yeah, for <laughs> and, sure. Yeah, and, and I'm just happy that I, I'm here. And even though, you know, it feels like it's not 
you know, I still haven't even scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. It just means the world that I have some songs out there and people listening to it. So yeah. yeah. And the songs are doing really just from what I can see on Spotify, just looking at the uh, numbers that they make public on Spotify, you're doing really well. Um, Considering like, even considering that you pretty much started releasing music during the pandemic, just, yeah. That's... Yeah, I started I started working on it on the pandemic, and then I released it a year later in twenty twenty one. Gotcha. Have you had a chance to play any of your music live in front of an audience, or has that not been quite no, yet? Haven't done that yet, and I'm so excited. Like I, you know, I practice all the time, mm-hmm. um, but it's really hard. And I would really like to do it, you know, live in front of people instead mm-hmm. of online, just because we've spent a lot of time doing things online, but you know, if an opportunity presents itself, um, I will work on, uh, you know, just doing a live setup in my home, but right now I'm actually working on moving. So it doesn't make any sense to buy the equipment for here. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, so you started, you started right. So for smokescreen, which is your, is that technically your debut EP or is with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Smokescreen's your uh, debut EP. Did you start, you started writing that during the pandemic or had you been working on it prior to? I, no, so yeah, I've been working on a lot of songs for years and Mm -hmm. there was a point where I released two singles that didn't really feel like me just because I I feel like I was really um, trying to fit myself into this box of, thinking, you know, just thinking about what would other people like to hear what's popular right now and trying Mm. to do that just because I got some bad advice from, you know, people in the industry saying that, you know, you need to appeal to the audience and all of that. Um, But, you know, I I learned that the most important thing as an artist is to stay true to your own artistry and to be as authentic as possible. Um, So that's when I kind of took all of that old music down Mm. and starting to reinvent myself. And there was a point um, in the pandemic, it was towards the end too, where I just felt really confused and mm-hmm. didn't know what I wanted to do. And um, I, I was a college student and, and still am actually, I'm going to graduate in uh, May. Um, but there was a point where I just, I was sitting down and trying to study for an exam and I just felt really sad for some reason. I mean, everything in my life was, was going great. I've reached a really healthy place with, you know, my mental health and my emotional health. Um, so I was really confused why I just felt this emptiness inside of me. And I realized that because I just didn't feel fulfilled in my life, I didn't feel like I was doing anything worthwhile. And I was studying, um, uh, well, still am, uh, uh, studying for a business degree in marketing. And I just, I wasn't happy at all. And I would see my colleagues, they would, they, they would be, you know, excited or happy. And you would, they would think about, you know, potential jobs and all of that. And I wasn't in yeah. that boat. Um, and I remember just sitting down trying to study and I couldn't, and I just, these lyrics started to, you know, pop up in my mind. And I just remember, you know, taking out my phone, hitting the record button I just started singing everything that I was feeling and it ended up being a I think 15 minute long (laughs) voice note of me just kind of letting everything out and that ended up being the first song on the EP which was um, Afterthought 
And that entire song is about, you know, expressing your fears and your innermost thoughts and desires, but you're kind of dismissing them all as, you know, but that's, that's not really what I'm thinking. That's an afterthought. That's not mm-hmm. what I should want. Um, so I was really struggling with this idea of who I am and what I wanted to do and be. And that was kind of the catalyst for the EP because I wrote afterthought and then the rest of the songs, you know, just came, just came out easily. It's like, you know, the floodgates opened up and the Mm -hmm. dam broke. Um, And it started off with afterthought and then another song. And I thought, Oh, okay, well maybe I should just work on some singles. And then, you know, two other songs came out and I just said, Whoa, is this an EP? Cause it felt like I didn't want to release them separately. They felt really good together mm-hmm. and there was a common thread you know going um and yeah i think that was that's how it all happened i didn't intend to write an ep i didn't even intend to write a song but it just kind of came out hey sometimes it happens like that sometimes it happens like that <laughs> yeah. uh, the one thing that i really did like about the ep is that you well you'd already kind of mentioned this about um just kind of being yourself in your music just looking at the lengths of each song like like i don't know why this stuck out to me but a lot of musicians are very radio driven as far as getting their music out there so that means they got to be three four minutes tops but you were just kind of like nope this is what the song is take it or leave it and I, i really appreciate that so I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, I had a lot to say in those songs. You know, I just kind of, I listen back and I just say, you know, maybe I should, you know, just take it easy on the next one. Yeah. It's kind of my time. But I, I think I, I felt this sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And I think you hear that in the songs. Um, but yeah, actually, Afterthought, I really wanted to keep it five minutes. Mm-hmm. And when I did do that, my producer just said, what are you doing? You feel, you're, you're just rushing everything. It yeah. feels... And yeah, but so, and then he said, you know what, just write whatever you need to write and let the song be whatever it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And I let, you know, I, I did that and ended up being an eight minute song. Yeah. But I, it doesn't feel like an eight minute song though. Just putting it out there. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you. Um, so you brought up that you're still in school. Are you still studying marketing or did you switch degrees? Um, yeah, because there's not, I, I can't really switch. I'm in a business school because mm-hmm. um, I, w- I would actually love to take um, literature, classic. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a big, big passion of mine, um, but they don't really offer it in, in my school. So I'm just kind of, you know, I, again, I, I want my parents to be happy. So it, it feels like because I, I did go into the school for them. Mm-hmm. So it might as well just, you know, finish it off and give mm-hmm. them the degree. Yeah, As, you know, I will. I will say though, don't ever don't discount having a marketing degree, especially in the music industry. Oh, yeah, like just, definitely, just definitely, yeah. Being sure. able to know how to market yourself, like that, especially on the independent level, that's going to speak vol- or that's going to do more good for you than anything. Yeah, and just kind of yeah. looking back when I went to school, it's like I kind of wish I'd just taken a mark because so I went to film school. And oh. as part of the program, you had to pick a minor in something else because they they were at least smart enough to know that 95% of the people that go through film school don't end up in the film industry. And so they're like, here, you got to pick a minor of something. 
And for me, I was kind of tossing between business marketing or history because those were the two classes or the two uh, degree or minors that I was closest to completing. And I ended up going history and I should have went marketing because right now I'd be in a much better place. So, (laughs) but you know, looking back at things, you can't really, really harp on it. So. Yeah, that's true. I mean, everything happens for a reason and you seem to be doing pretty well. So I'm trying, I'm trying my best. So, um, no, that's all. So, uh, smoke screens is, uh, like we'd mentioned your debut EP. It's been out not quite a year. Um, how, no, it was out in October. October. So. Okay. So it's been out for five months, six months. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't do math right now. So, no, um, <laughs> uh, so it, it's been out for a little bit. Uh, how's the uh, reception of the uh, album been? It's been, you know, extraordinary, definitely unprecedented as well. I mean, it, just the amount of people streaming it and, and the playlist they're on, that was crazy to me. Um, but the thing that means the most is when people message me and tell me, you know, their what they think of the songs and, um, you know, how much it has helped them. And one person just told me after that is something that they didn't know they needed to hear. And it has really impacted their their life. And I remember crying when I read that because it, it, that's, you know, a songwriter's dream. You, you just want people to relate to your songs and hopefully, you know, have that emotional connection with you through your music. So, yeah, I think that's my, my favorite part is just to hear what these songs mean to, to the listeners, honestly. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you'd mentioned that when you started working, started writing music, your intent was not to do an EP. You were just kind of writing until yeah. uh, you felt uh, fulfilled. Yeah. That's the word I'll go with. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever think about other people or think about an outcome when I'm writing mm-hmm. something. It's just a moment in time when I'm feeling a certain emotion mm-hmm. and have to let it out um and I think that comes from uh because I, I I don't think that I'm I that I express myself uh really well especially when dealing with emotions that I'm feeling and so writing has always been very therapeutic and cathartic for me it's just a way for me to release all of these emotions um and you know I have tried you know there was a moment where I was really upset about something and I would try to talk it out with someone and I couldn't and it wasn't because of lack of trust or anything it just felt like I couldn't form the words mm-hmm. and when I tried to just sit down in the piano and you know just let it out and sing it that's when I felt like okay finally left my system um and yeah that's how I approach songwriting yeah and that that's consistent across the board I, I mean yeah. obviously yeah. you um you haven't released that much music yet in your career so I'm sure as you kind of go through your process of growing as a musician, maturing, you know, all that stuff. So your process will kind of change. Um, when it came to smoke screens, how much music didn't end up making the album or was it just, you had the five songs and they ended up working together? I actually, no, I just had the five songs, but I was writing a lot after that. And I was, I started to write, 
some of the best songs ever mm-hmm. after those five songs. Because again, I really did feel like something, you know, these songs unlocked something within me. And mm-hmm. you know, I said this before, and I really do feel like the floodgates opened up. I just mm-hmm. unlocked a new place of writing, um, a place that's just way more vulnerable and honest than I've ever been before. Um, and yeah, after, after that came a lot of songs that I'm so proud of and in love with and can't wait to share with the world, honestly. Awesome. And <laughs> why did you, uh, choose a uh, red light as the single for this album? Yeah, I think when I wrote it, I knew that I wanted red light to be the single because it had such a powerful message that I don't believe gets talked about enough, which is about um, emotional infidelity. Mm. Um, And I think it's because I went through that and I would always turn to music for, you know, just as a friend, almost just for comfort. And I didn't really find a song that was really, um, I guess that that I related to in that situation. And that's that I think that's why I wanted to write one so bad because I wanted because it was happening a lot, at least to the people around me. Um, and, and especially in this day and age, you know, it's social media and everything being so accessible. It's so easy to, I guess, emotionally cheat on your significant other. Um, and so with Red Light, I knew that I wanted it to be this big song. Um while the rest of the songs, I, I had a specific, I guess, vibe um, that I wanted it to be more ethereal and calming. Red Light, I wanted it to be urgent and just really heart-wrenching, but almost like with a little bit of elements of rock. Yeah. So yeah, after we finished the mix, I knew that this should be the single because it just had that element of I don't know, maybe grabbing your attention, I guess, but right. I, I, yeah. That actually makes a lot of sense. Like though you want the, like for the first single, you definitely want something to grab people's attention and, uh, yeah. you know, set the tone for what's to come. And I, I think you did a really good job with red light on that one. So, Thank you so. I, I, I was just kind of curious from your perspective, why you kind of chose it, but listening to you explain it, it makes perfect sense. And just like, from a listener's point of view, it, it was, I'm not going to say it was the perfect choice, but it was the right choice. So I get, I get that. I get that. Definitely. Cause uh, for me in the EP, I, red light isn't actually, I mean, I love all the songs, but it's not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think um, I wrote it for a specific reason. And, mm-hmm. and when I was in a very, I wouldn't say dark place, just a really confusing place. So whenever mm. I look to it, it kind of brings me back to that place a little bit. And that's something I don't really like. But as a songwriter, that's something you have to deal with a lot. That when you listen to these songs or perform these songs, it will eventually take you to that place when you mm. first wrote them. Um, so yeah, I think it's just tainted a little bit with the those memories, I guess. Yeah. Since you kind of brought this up, I usually ask this later on in the interview. Uh, of of all the songs on the EP, uh, what's your favorite song to perform live? Oh well, I've never I've never performed. Or, well, perform just not, <laughs> yeah, perform in general. Um, I think 
probably um probably train tracks i really love that song so much i love the production and yeah i think i'm also just so personally attached to that song so i think yeah i can't wait to perform that live i think it'll be really fun i also think red light would be fun live too because it's just i don't know i feel like it's more upbeat yeah for sure for sure and it's interesting because train like obviously just going off the numbers that I have in front of me, train track seems to be getting the most love on Spotify right now, which. Yeah. I was so happy with that. Cause in the beginning it didn't. And yeah. you know, you kind of look at it and, and just, you know, you're a little disappointed and say, Oh, that's my baby. But it got onto one playlist and then, you know, a lot of people started listening to it after that. And it's just, I I'm so happy that right. people are loving it as much as I do. Nice. I just put it on our playlist, so. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> I was just sitting there, I was just like, oh, I can do that like right now. Cause if I say I'll do it after the podcast, I'm gonna forget, I always do. So I have <laughs> Spotify open right in front of me. So do it right now. Um, no, so that's awesome. Uh, really enjoyed listening to the full EP, Smoke Screens. You know, it's an amazing project and uh, can't wait to see what you have coming next. What is kind of the uh, plan for 2022 and moving forward? Wow. Um, well, I'm always working on new music. I've been working on a lot since Smoke Screens. Um, so I would love to release an album just because I feel like I can't contain myself with just yeah. an EP. I have so much. Um, so I'm not saying it's in the works because I haven't talked about it with anyone there, we haven't, there's no demo or anything, but mm-hmm. I do have the concepts and the ideas all appear in, in my notes. Um, so yeah, I would love to do that. Nice. And, yeah. uh, you'd mentioned that you're getting ready to move. Yeah. Yeah. Are you moving out of Saudi Arabia or just somewhere else in Yes, to London. Okay. Yeah, cool. I, I love London. It's my favorite place in the world. Um, so I'm really excited to get to to move there and potentially, you know, um, I think because uh, there's a, a wonderful music community there, mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of communities here. Uh, you know, for music, there's not a lot of opportunities. Um, I think what's what, what I'm most excited about is to finally be in a recording studio because I recorded all like most of my EP. I recorded it here in my bedroom. You could, I mean, see that. That's my little setup with oh, the wow. the blanket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so funny. But yeah, I recorded three out of five songs here, and the last two I recorded it in a studio in London. Nice. So yeah. Awesome. What? Well, hey, you got it done. You did what you had to do <laughs> to get it done, and you did it. So, congratulations for that. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Because there was a lot of musicians that hung it up because of the pandemic. Mm. So, just seeing all of the new music careers that have come in spite of the pandemic or during the pandemic, it's been absolutely amazing and. I just can't see, I can't wait to see where the uh, industry goes and all the new music that comes out over the next year, two years, now that people are really able to get out and play shows and do their thing. Yeah. I'm so excited. Um, so let, let's talk about the uh, music scene in Saudi Arabia and just kind of trying to pursue music in general. Um, it, you mentioned that there's not much of a scene, correct? 
Yeah, not really. Okay. Is it uh is it just lack of interest or is it more political and religious and all that stuff? I think it's a mix of all three. Even okay. though right now, because you know, the, the country's really evolving and it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been concerts and everything. So I think that they've opened up the possibility of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there's um, a performing arts school in the in the works, or so not really a school, but um, like an after school company, like a, like a center almost. Yeah, like a center. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. um, we had a lot of, we have actually a lot of dance setters here. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was a dancer for twelve years mm-hmm. <laughs> until I stopped to, you know, pursue music. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I always thought it was crazy that they had that, but they didn't have any music mm-hmm. lessons. I don't know, but I'm really happy that that's changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's not a lot of resources such as recording studios or um, producers really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just makes so much sense that for the career that I want and things that I want to do that I do have to um, move out. But I really do see a huge change coming for the next generation. Like they will definitely have a larger community here. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all being set up by people like you, you yourself included that are getting out there and doing what they got to do, making their name in the industry. And hopefully once things start to like really form in Saudi Arabia, you'll come back and be like, Hey, here, here's what I learned, you know, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, so the plan is to move to London. They definitely do have a really cool music scene there. It's, uh, a bit all over the place. Like I work with a lot of country musicians and rock bands. Um, other outside of that, uh, I'm kind of a novice when it comes to some of those, uh, some of the other genres and the other scenes in the, the UK in general, but uh, I definitely know that they're out there and that's amazing that you're going there. So I take it you've been to London before, if it's your favorite place. Oh yeah. Every, yeah. every summer. And like ever since I was a kid too, and my parents bought a flat there. So that's when we started going even more. So every holiday, you know, I'm there. <laughs> um, yeah. And I have a lot of friends there. Gotcha. Cool. And obviously not so much over the last two years with the pandemic, but, um, yeah, think- I, I went there over the summer and, oh. uh, just right now, actually I, I was there. Um, I was there when I canceled the, our first interview cause I was there and I was helping a friend out with an emergency too. So everything was just really crazy. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I go there whenever I can. <laughs> nice. Nice. How long of a trip is that? Is that about six to seven hours. Okay, cool. That's not too bad. That's not the worst flight in the world. No, it's not like going to the U.S. Yeah. That was cool. That was I am, cool. I'm hoping by next year we'll be able to take our, like as Live and Amplified, we'll be able to take our first international trip. And it's a, Oh, yeah. that'd be great. We're, we're looking at the U.K. or Australia right now because those are like our outside of the U.S. Those are our... Uh, uh, two biggest uh, fan bases and nice. UK would be easier because that's a shorter flight. Whereas if we fly to Australia, yeah. that's like 19 hours. And I don't know if I'm ready for that kind of commitment. <laughs> so 
Australia. Oh my God. I've never been, but it's so beautiful. And I have friends there and they send me pictures and videos. Uh, I I would love to go there. I have to, I have to at some point. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it just from what I've seen, it's amazing. So, um, hopefully, hopefully soon I'd have to take a lot of sleeping pills because my, (laughs) so my dad's a pilot. So I grew up flying a lot, but it was always like three, four hour flights. Never anything like, super yeah nothing super long so but uh no actually it's kind of funny so right before um or right after we rescheduled i was talking to my dad and i was telling him i was like yeah it was really interesting because i got this uh podcast coming up here with a, a young lady from uh saudi arabia i've never interviewed anybody from saudi arabia before and my dad he's a uh he teaches he's a flight instructor for uh um airplanes and whatnot and he just signed a six-week deal with saudia oh really yeah wow. and so he's like they're coming like he lives in south florida so they uh they're sending their pilots over there and he's teaching uh, uh all the pilots in saudi arabia how to fly and it's like oh that's kind of funny and uh very interesting so it was a, it was, it was one of those moments where it was just like, Oh, our paths kind of converge a little bit. So, yeah. but, I'm um, trying to but, um, so smoke screens out. Uh, if anybody wants to listen to it, uh, it's on Spotify. Are you doing hard copies of that at all or just digital right now? Um, we're thinking about doing some hard copies. Like I do have to be very mindful mm-hmm. logistically because i am a college student um who's also a musician mm-hmm. so not a lot of income coming in because i don't yeah. have a real like a job yet um so yeah like it's definitely been on my mind i've definitely thought about it i've even designed you know just how i would have have the vinyl look like mm-hmm. i would do because i think i would do vinyl before cd just because i am a vinyl enthusiast i have so yeah. many words um, and I would love I to love have my- that so much. Vinyl is, <laughs> yeah. Oh but yeah, yeah, it's great. But my thing about CDs right now is they're like getting rid of CD players all across, just all across the board. Yeah, and, and, and people are collecting CDs just for, I think, you know, decorations right now. Because mm-hmm. my sister was buying, you know, almost half a dozen cds and i would tell her you don't have a cd player and she said it's fine I just wanted around my room yeah so <laughs> that's so weird because like i mean i've started like buying vinyl whenever i go to a show and uh like the band has vinyl there because obviously it's expensive to press vinyl it's and i know and i know that so whenever i can afford it it's like okay i don't want to buy your ten dollar cd i'll buy the 30 or 40 dollar vinyl yes it's an investment but it's a piece of artwork so definitely definitely i had to leave a lot of my vinyls in london because it doesn't make sense for me to to bring them here and get get them back but um i recently bought pet sounds by the beach boys one of my favorite records of all time and i was so distraught that i didn't bring it back with me because my record player is here i don't have one in in london so yeah i'm still kicking myself that i didn't bring it but it's only a matter of months and you know i'll be able to play it but yeah for sure for sure you know it's at at least you see the end goal of being able to play the album 
and bring your yeah. vinyl or bring your record player over. It's so weird to say record player though. Like that just right. That just sounds old. And if you say vinyl player, nobody knows what you're talking about, and that just sounds out of place. So doesn't have the same effect either. Correct. That is correct. <laughs> so, um, kind of outside of music, what do you do? What are some of your hobbies when? you need to escape from school and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm a huge reader. I love to read. Um, you know, sometimes I, I find it really hard to balance between working on my music and reading because I love doing both so much. Um, and, you know, I would read, you know, almost everything from classics to history to, you know, f- fantasy and fiction. Um but yeah, I love reading and I really do think it inspires my writing as well. Cool. Cool. And you, have you read it? What's uh, what are you currently reading as far as for enjoyment? Oh, right now. Um, <laughs> this, this is something about me. I read five books at a time. Okay. So, <laughs> um, I'm right now I'm reading a lot of poetry books, uh, or rereading them. The T.S. Eliot collection has been something on my mind lately a lot. And I've been watching some lectures online too for fun, which mm-hmm. my friends really make, like, they just love to make fun. Uh, they would say, well, why would you watch a two hour lecture for fun? Are you insane? But uh, that's just something I love to indulge myself in. Um, and a book, oh my God, yeah, I've been reading Trio by William Boyd. Um, I love William Boyd. Any Human Heart was a great read for me. Um, and currently rereading some Tolstoy as well, uh, mm-hmm. which has been my favorite. But I read it when I was 16. And I just, you know, I, I kept, I just kind of looked at myself and I said, you read this when you were 16 years old. Did you really understand it? Yeah. Um, so it's nice to read it with, you know, some adult eyes, I guess, when you were 22. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's quite okay. an eclectic. <laughs> yeah, I, I found that when I was in like seventh grade, we had a uh, teacher that was trying to up, like upgrade everybody's reading comprehension skills. And oh. so he had a system to like, you took a quiz, and it's like, okay, this is what reading level you're at. You take this uh-huh. book, you read it, you take a quiz, and then you can, depending on how you did on the quiz, you can either go up or down in the reading comprehension chart. Yeah. And some of the books I was reading at seventh grade was like, I look back at it now and it's like, you had no idea what was going on in this book. So like, I, I for whatever reason, I read a lot of George Orwell when I was in seventh grade and it's like, you well, have no idea what is going on in that book. So, <laughs> so get that. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. So w- what is this kind of the uh, thought process behind reading five books at a time or is that just something that you do out of habit it, it I think it really is something I do out of habit and again it's always something different so I have you know a, a, a Greek mythology book opened and then I would turn to some poetry and then I would you know read a classic and it's not just to read as much as I can I think it's just you know where I would just kind of feel like hmm what am I in the mood for mm-hmm. and then that's when I go and pick up a crazy fantasy novel yeah. you know or um, indulge myself in a romantic or classical piece. Um, yeah, it's kind of how I, you know, listen to music too. You know, what am I in the mood for? Do I want to cry? Do I want to feel empowered? Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I pick my books, I guess. But it's very sporadic. I really need 
tone it down. <laughs> hey, it keeps it interesting. And it's like, if you never really get bored because it's like, okay, you have a whole bunch of books to choose from. I'll start reading one and then go to the next. Like, obviously, as long as you don't get the books confused or the storylines confused, it's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. So, um, and you'd mentioned earlier that uh, your your reading and your passion for literature kind of impacts your music and your creativity. Um, it is how like how do you pull from literature? Is it just the storylines, the themes, or what do you kind of take away from the books that you're reading for your music? I I would definitely yeah definitely the themes maybe not the storylines the themes and definitely the character's psyche you know when you read from a person's perspective or different people's point of views it's very interesting to I'm a very immersive reader too when I read something I really lose myself in it um and I end up feeling everything that the character is feeling um so you know I would read something about someone feeling like um you know they're not a good person because they should let go of this person that they love, but they don't want to because, you know, they need them for their own personal, um, uh, I guess, survival, really, you know, when you just need a person to make you feel good or to make you feel sane. And I was reading that, I can't remember which book, and it just really hit me, you know, just reading their innermost thoughts and seeing how they are acknowledging how selfish they're being. And they're almost kind of excusing that or dismissing that by, you know, just constantly feeling like they're the victim and, you know, but I'm in pain and I need this person and, but they don't realize that they're burdening the other person or that they're not letting them, I guess, um, live their own life because they're, they feel attached to them. And it's a huge responsibility to feel like you have to take care of another person. And it was just such an interesting way to look at it and think about it especially when the other person is like they they're self-aware they know that they're hurting the other person and you got to read about why they're doing it and how that process works mm. it's just really fascinating and I d- really did take that into consideration um when I was writing a song that I felt you know inspired to write after reading that book and it was just very interesting because again you put yourself in other people's shoes other characters shoes and you start to write from a perspective mm-hmm. um, that you might have never felt or seen, but it, you know, at the end of the day, the, you've felt it at one point. Because I think even if you've never been in that situation, um, you know, at the heart of it, we all like it, at, at the heart of it, it's just an emotion. It's a feeling. It's either anger or it's fear, and it's jealousy or it's pain. And we've all felt that way at one point. So I found it very easy to tap into that and then write it from that character's perspective. It's like, I'm not an actress, but I think I felt it was kind of like playing a part. You have this script and you're going into it and then you're just improvising. Um, But it's very liberating to write like that because when you're not thinking of your personal life, it, like I said, it's really liberating. It feels like all bets are off and you could just say anything. Mm-hmm. And I think my most, like my favorite songs have come from those kind, like that kind of thought process. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes that makes sense. And um, where are you kind of at 
creatively right now? Are you just continually writing or where are you kind of at in that process right now? Yeah, I'm writing, but I'm writing because um, like I said, I am thinking about an album. So mm-hmm. I'm, I, I have a lot of songs that are very interconnected and yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always writing. And I think right now I'm just not necessarily taking a break. I'm, I'm taking a break from like production Mm -hmm. and just really focusing on songwriting just Mm -hmm. me and the piano and thinking about what I can say and how I could not necessarily make the song special but how can I make this vulnerable how can I make this really Mm -hmm. raw and honest because to me those are the most special songs um when you feel like the person is right there and they're saying everything and it's it's unfiltered um and it's it's raw and it's honest. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing. I've been taking a step back from uh, production and, and mm. that whole ordeal and just really focusing on the craft itself and taking lessons, not necessarily for songwriting, but working with other people because yeah. I've never co-written anything. Um, and I've, I've just been, I think, uh, trying different things just to, you know, broaden my horizons and to keep, keep myself open. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, so as you're kind of going through this process, obviously like the big goal is to get to London right now, correct? <laughs> like is, right. is that, that's kind of the goal. And then you'll kind of figure out where the production and like just where you kind of move from there. I guess, I mean, I'm actually, I'm in no rush because Mm -hmm. I just want to produce something that I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. And with the EP, I felt like I was rushing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I feel like I, you know, it was complete. There's something that I would go back and change, but the process, like me working on it, it really did feel like, you know, just me constantly moving and not being able Mm -hmm. to... I think, um, process and take it all in. And I think something that I want to do, especially if I want to do a longer record, I just really want to be able to be present Mm. in the moment of the songwriting and the recording and the production, instead of feeling like, you know, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. Everything's fast. Everything needs to come out as soon as possible. I don't want that feeling of urgency. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just really want to take my time and find the best people to work on this with. I want to be able to collaborate with different um, producers and, and artists too. I mean, who knows? I just really want to um, grow and I want my music to grow with me. For sure. And w- once you get out to London, you'll definitely find your community out there. Like, obviously I'm, like I'd mentioned earlier, uh, there, there's, I'm not familiar with every scene, but I know there's a lot of creatives out there and as I'm sure you're well aware of. So. Oh yeah, for sure. I I have, I have a, like a few friends there, Mm. um, like musician friends. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's exciting. I'm really excited. Is there any musicians in Saudi Arabia right now that you're working with or is it just, Uh, or that no, you that you I don't listen. Really know. Yeah, I don't really know a lot of oh. musicians here, to be honest with you. I mean, I know that there are musicians, but mm-hmm. I don't know them. I don't really have a relationship. Okay, with them. gotcha. I didn't know yeah. if there was just like a little underground scene or something that there was a handful of people that were out there making music together or something. So, 
I'm pretty sure there is, but I, I, I don't know anything about it. Gotcha. gotcha. That makes sense. Um, cool. Cool. Um, so before we kind of wrap this up, I don't want to keep you too much longer here. There's a one thing we got left to do, and that is our random question generator. I'm going to fire off a bunch of random questions at you. Well, and uh, what's that? You scared? <laughs> oh, don't be. It, it's nothing too too crazy. So, uh, we'll, we'll we'll do this for a little bit, probably about five ten questions or so, and then we'll uh, kind of wrap this up. So, if you're ready, I will run through these questions. Okay. If you were to do a voiceover for a cartoon character, which cartoon character would you do? Uh, the Little Mermaid. <laughs> if you were a reverse burglar and all you could steal was something to enhance somebody's life, what would you steal? Books. <laughs> you are driving in the car with the volume cranked all the way up and you're singing at the top of your lungs what song is playing on the radio don't worry baby by the beach boys good song good song <laughs> uh um nope not asking that question that's an inappropriate question <laughs> if you had a if you had unlimited power or unlimited superpowers what would your wait let me I didn't word that one right. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Can I have like a something like a quasi of being able to fly and being able to be invisible? Sure, that works. <laughs> Great. Uh, I for whatever reason I just couldn't read. No, holy cow, this is getting <laughs> bad. Uh, if you had to write a book, to, if you were to write a book about your life, what would the title of it be? Oh no. <laughs> it's actually really funny because i have thought about writing a book and i couldn't even figure out the title i don't know um this is i have no idea untitled untitled perfect <laughs> in a job interview the most frequent question asked is what is one of your weaknesses mm. so what is one of your weaknesses mm. i think it's uh I wouldn't maybe perfectionism, but also the, yeah, I would say perfectionism because it's, I, I would just be unsatisfied with everything that I work on. And I would always have this, I like, I would just believe that, no, it needs to be better. It, there's still room for improvement and you just never stop. And it might seem like, oh, that's not really a weakness, but it is because it prevents you from putting out the work because you just think, no, 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 you can, there's still something to be, you know, worked on or you still have to fix something. A uh, magazine comes to you for an interview. What is the topic of conversation for this interview? Uh, my debut album. <laughs> Perfect. And then you're a billionaire overnight. What is the first item you buy? Buy? Whoa. Uh, maybe a house in Hampstead Heath. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. That that went a little crazier than I thought it would, but you know, <laughs> and, you know, every once in a while they update the questions, and it's like, oh, I've never seen this question before. So it's fun. It's kind of like those card games that you play with friends, and you never know what's going to pop up. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that, that's kind of like the whole idea was I was doing a podcast marathon and it was a, like a fundraiser and I wanted something to kind of break up the conversation. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll just ask a random question off this generator. Oh. And it worked. Everybody liked it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just start incorporating it into every podcast. And then somebody was like, here, just rapid fire off uh, like a whole bunch of those questions at me and I'll just answer them as fast as I can. I'm like, okay. And so, you know, that that's kind of where that birthed. It's fun. It's fun. I, so, I, I like that idea. You should keep it. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely been, uh, I, I, I'm a little bit more choosy with it now, just kind of depending on the person. Like if, uh, if they're a little bit more serious, I, I may not break it out, but if it's like a fun, lighthearted interview, then I will uh, definitely break it out. So, yeah, that makes sense. But um, yeah, it's been an absolute blast chatting with you. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, for anybody that wants to interact with you on social, listen to your app, uh, you listen to your EP. Where's the uh, best places to find all that? Uh, the best place is on Instagram at Demaray Music. And you can find smoke screens on all streaming platforms. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Dima, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And before we, before we wrap this up, before we leave, what's one piece of advice you have for the uh, young musicians out there? Well, uh, stay true to who you are and to your artistry and always have faith in yourself because if you don't, then no one else is going to believe in you. And even if they do, if you don't believe in yourself, you're just never going to get anywhere. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you all later.